When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. From Chicago, it's Film Spotting SVU. I'm Allison Wilmore. And I'm Matt Singer. And if you heard correctly, we are in Chicago. We are here for our first ever live show in Chicago. We're actually in the green room before the show right now. It's a lovely basement. It, it's it it, it, I, it doesn't. Let's put it this way: it doesn't not evoke the green room from the movie Green Room. So just to set the mood. We may or may not have to fight our way out. Yes, we'll find out. Yes, there's a, there's a very appealing looking um, light over here. It's very long on a very long stand. Yeah, I may be able to wield that. Sitting on, it looks pretty light. I could heft it over my head, I think, or hide inside it if you need to. Absolutely. Yeah. So you're going to hear the live portion of tonight's show in a little bit, but first we've got some other business to take care of, including opening break a segment we do in conjunction with our sponsor movies on demand on cable in which we spotlight a few films that are new and notable on demand allison you have our picks what are they well first up one of i think the the underappreciated films of this year and just in time for thanksgiving really if you're if you're going to be spending some time with family and you're looking for something to watch it is kubo and the two strings ah. yes it will be available on demand on november 22nd this is the latest film from Leica, which is the studio that did Coraline and the box trolls among others uh they specialize in stop motion and it's something they do very very well it's in this in this movie in particular there are just some spectacular visuals that you, I don't always watch making ofs. In fact, I very rarely do. But I have gone back and looked at some of the makings of, making ofs of these movies of this movie because you're just like, how did they do that? It just seems impossible. It's a stunning film. All their movies look good. This might be their best looking. It's movie. just it's it's ambition and the scale it takes place on is yeah. really impressive. And it is just uh, it's set in a kind of mythical Japan. It pulls from different bits of Japanese folklore. It's a story about storytelling and about grieving and about this boy with magical powers and his mother and the very bad relatives who come chasing them down and it it mm. is sad in the way that only a children's film really can be in that pure unadorned way and that's part of what makes it great it is one that you will ball in or at least i balled in but it it's totally worth it. So that is Kubo and the Two Strings, and that is available on demand on November 22nd, as is Hell or High Water. Um, there's a good chance that David McKenzie's sleeper hit will waltz its way into the Oscars in one category or another, which I, you know, I think is not something anyone would have predicted when that movie came out uh, in theaters. It kind of slowly crawled its way into the public consciousness in a way that not a lot of movies get to do. It is also a very good time. Chris Pine is, I think, better than he's ever been. He's very good in that movie. Uh, ben Foster does his usual shtick, something also he good. does well. Uh, they are a pair of West Texas brothers who are robbing branches of a bank 
with which their late mother took out a predatory loan. They are trying to get together enough money by deadline to save their ranch from being foreclosed on. This is a big deal because they've discovered oil on the premises. And then you have Jeff Bridges and Gil Birmingham as the Texas Rangers on their tail. And I will say this, for all this is an exciting bank robbing movie, a lot of the best parts are just the two of them bickering. It's a really good time, and it is, uh, it is a really nice Western as well, yeah. in an updated way. So Hell or High Water, available on demand on November 22nd. And finally, a film I haven't seen but have been very curious about will be available on December, on December 2nd. It is The Eyes of My Mother, ah. 2016 horror film written, edited, and directed by Nicholas Pesquet. I think that's how you pronounce it. His directorial debut and also comes from Borderline Films, which is the collective also responsible for Christine, for Martha Marcy May Marlene, and for After School, among other things. So a lot of ambitious, spiky indie movies. This one is supposedly one of those. It is about a young woman who is shaped by this traumatic incident of viol- incidents of violence in her childhood. And it has changed her as an adult in ways that are apparently very disturbing. This movie was extremely divisive coming out of the festival circuit, which is something I'm always interested by and certainly looks beautiful, at least in the marketing materials. So that is The Eyes of My Mother, and it is available on December 2nd. From Shuba's Tavern in Chicago, this is Film Spotting Streaming Video Unit. I'm Allison Wilmore. And I'm Matt Singer. And it is great to be here for the first ever Chicago Podcast Festival. Really, we'd like to thank the festival and the Film Spotting Mothership for getting us out here for our first live combo show. Yes, thank you. Um, I do want to say, you know, right at the outset, whatever you do, please do not mention the Bears, the Cubs, Bill Swartzky's uh, superfans, or really anything that would in any way encourage Matt to do a bad Chicago accent. Matt, Matt Singer, these people did not pay their hard-earned money to be tormented by you. Let's go. Can I I at least say my list in a vaguely off-putting way? Of course. All right, that's a deal. Fine. I'll be good. So if you are unfamiliar, uh, Film Spotting SVU is a spin-off of the Film Spotting main podcast. Who would have guessed when we came up with that jokey title, we would outlast the television shows that, for legal reasons, we did not know anything about. That's correct. Uh, but we are a podcast devoted to movies and the occasional TV show that you can rent or stream at home, uh, either online or on demand. We love seeing movies in theaters, but we wanted to also reflect how a lot of us end up seeing movies these days. That's right. And on every episode, in addition to my, I think, very outstanding voices, impressions, thank you, Mom. I appreciate you coming all the way from New York. That was very nice of you. We also have this segment that we do on the show called Q Shots, and that is where we recommend a bunch of stuff to watch at home, all centered on a theme. And tonight, for you guys, for this very special crowd, our theme is going to be cinematic comfort food. Movies that we turn to when we're feeling low. Even though there's absolutely no reason that anyone would need cinematic comfort food right now. (sighs) 
Allison and I each have two recommendations, but we also want to hear your recommendations as well. So while we are chatting, please tweet at us your favorite cinematic comfort food with the hashtag, you heard Sam mention it, hashtag FilmSpottingLive. And to make it worth your while, our sponsor on the show, Movies on Demand, was nice enough to give us a bunch of promo codes for free movies. So anyone who tweets with that hashtag, FilmSpottingLive, and picks a movie, any movie, Except Dirty Grandpa. If you say Dirty Grandpa <laughs> is your cinematic comfort food, not only do you not get anything, you're, we're going to have you ejected. I'm afraid. <laughs> That's just the way it goes. So you will have a chance to win a free movie from Movies on Demand. Again, the hashtag FilmSpottingLive. Yes, and thank you, as always, to our sponsor. This holiday season, find all your favorite movies on Xfinity Spectrum Cox or your local video provider, and make sure to follow at Movies On Demand on Twitter and Facebook for news on the latest new releases you won't find on Netflix. Okay, Matt, you're up first with our cinematic comfort food picks. Yes. What have you got? Okay, so for me, number one cinematic comfort food, that's not shocking, it's comedies. Makes a lot of sense, I am sure. For me, I tend to go towards the spoofs. Your Mel Brookses. Your Spaceballses. Your Blazing's Saddleses. Or the Zucker Brothers. Naked Gun, Top Secret. But there's a problem. What is that problem? We did a whole episode about spoofs. Oh, we did do that. We already. did. It That's was like really inconvenient. Yes, film spotting SVU number sixty-four. If you care to listen to it, not right now. Do not listen to it now. But on your way homes, perhaps. So instead, I'm going to go uh, pick at something else. And I thought I would go with something from the guy that I look to myself these days as sort of the most dependable supplier of comedic cinematic comfort food, and that for me is. Will Ferrell. So, yes, I feel the same way, which is why I'm going to recommend one of his movies. So critically speaking, I feel like the Will Ferrell movies, see if you agree with me here, Allison, they kind of fall into two camps. There's the movies he makes with Adam McKay. Yes. And then there are the movies he makes that are not with Adam McKay. Yes. And the, the, the Adam McKay movies, that's Anchorman, that's Talladega Nights, that's Step Brothers. Those are, the, I think at this point, those are sort of, they have their critical defenders, uh, they're like the good Will Ferrell movies. And then the other ones are the bad Will Ferrell movies. Well, I'm here to tell you I like some of the bad, the bad ones. I don't care. This is a place of healing and honesty. So I decided to, to talk to you about one of the Will Ferrell movies that I like that was not directed by Adam McKay. And so my first pick is Semi-Pro from 2008, which I heard one person say, yeah. When it was, and it was either, it was either a yeah or it was a yeah. I couldn't quite... It was a thumbs up, I think. Okay. So, weird note here. The director, Kent Alterman, this is his only movie that he's directed. He is now the president of Comedy Central. Wow. So, reach for those stars, guys. Someday your dreams could come true. So, this is Will Ferrell's basketball movie. He's, uh, he's the owner of the ABA team, the Flint Tropics. And the idea is that this is when the... <laughs> the Flint Tropics. The idea that the, uh, the NBA and the ABA are merging, a couple of teams are going to survive, and he wants his team to... Survive, and it's sort of like a more absurd and less melancholy and good slap shot. Um, the story is the clothesline that you hang the gags on, and I will admit the romantic subplot in this movie is bad. It's very bad, but uh, there are some great, great set pieces. And when you're looking for comfort food, that's what you're looking for, the big, funny set pieces, and there are some great ones. Will Ferrell wrestles a bear. 
Damn right he does. That's one. This is good. One guy is backing me up. Can I get an amen on Will Ferrell wrestling the bear? Is it funny? Leonardo DiCaprio got nothing on that. That's right. Uh, yeah. Screw the revenant. Will Ferrell got there first. Thank you. Uh, exactly right. Yes, and there's, there's a couple of great scenes. There's one where Jackie O'Haley plays like a, a hippie, and he, he does like an impossible full court shot. And if he does it, he gets 10 grand, and he actually makes it, and then Will Ferrell can't afford to pay him. So, great. So... <laughs> This is not a fashionable thing to admit, what I've just done. It is certainly not. No, but I am here to say, if I'm being in a, in a place of... Don't tell anyone I said this. Turn the recording device off. I don't want anyone to know. I've watched Semi-Pro more than I've watched a lot of the McKay and Farrell movies. Ooh. Yeah. Radical It is blasphemy, but I did it. So that's my first pick. Semi-Pro. It is available right now for rent. You know what, Matthew Elsinger... I salute you for that bravery. Thank you. you. That unfashionable opinion. Uh, My pick is one that we've actually, we brought up on the podcast because we we floated it as a a main review option. We let our listeners vote on which movie we're going to review. It is Paddington, which is new on Netflix. Uh, Why did no one applaud (laughs) Semi-Pro? I'm sorry, continue. Matt, have you seen Paddington? Not yet. Not yet. Okay. I may or may not have sobbed through this delightful <laughs> children's movie, feeling a little raw these days, a little, a little tender. Uh, but it is now available on Netflix. Uh, it's part live action, part animated, based on the beloved children's book character. Uh, if you didn't catch it when it came out last year, um, I might have flickered across your radar earlier when some very early stills were released that maybe didn't quite convey the charm of the finished products. It became a horror movie meme in which Paddington was like photoshopped into (laughs) scenes from The Shining and things like that. I will say, this does not actually match up with the the actual film, which is not nightmare fuel. Probably. I don't know. You can't predict what kids will find terrifying. You did Uh, say you were crying. I was crying. It was not mostly... Not a scary cry. Or, well, these days, who can tell? Anyway... It is the final product, as cozy as a cup of cocoa. Ben Wishaw voices the title bear, who is both very British, uh, likes making small talk about the weather, and also very bear-like and likes to roar and accidentally causes trouble. But what I really love about this movie, and what seems particularly comforting right now, is that it is gently and unmistakably an argument for immigration, and Ah. in particular, for refugees. Uh, that's what Paddington is. He comes from darkest Peru. His home is destroyed in an earthquake. He comes to the UK looking for a new home, waiting to be taken in. Uh, And the family that takes him in, uh, played by Hugh Bonneville and Sally Hawkins, and they have two children. Sally Hawkins, particularly excellent in this movie, always, but in this case, she's great. Uh, They're divided on whether they want to take him in. Hugh Bonneville's character doesn't want to be bothered. Uh, There's a a, nosy neighbor played by Peter Capaldi who doesn't like the implication of bears moving into his pristine neighborhood. (laughs) Yes, the ruthless villain, a taxidermist played by Nicole Kidman, uh, warns him about how soon you have one bear, then it's a bunch of bears, and then they'll be throwing their raucous all-night picnics. (laughs) Yes. So Paddington doesn't just make the case for welcoming newcomers. It actually even connects this to the past. 
uh, to the children who were evacuated from the cities during World War II and uh, sent off to live with strangers uh, during the war. And there is even an elderly Jewish character played by Jim Broadbent who makes a reference to having been rescued and brought to the country via the kinder transport as a child. And is lovely in such an unobtrusive way that children watching the film are only going to see a bear in need of a, ho a home and some like delightful set pieces in which things are knocked over and a criminal is chased at one point, a pickpocket. Um, you know, and that's its own heartwarming message. Everybody needs a home. I think it, it holds up particularly well in this, even if the movie is a little in love with Wes Anderson. So, fair warning. <laughs> yes, Tr some, for some people that's like a trigger warning, Wes Anderson. <laughs> but just so you know, it is a very lovely, very gentle film, and I am a big fan, especially when I need something that feels cozy. So it's Paddington, and it is on Netflix. That's a great pick. I love, I love that. I have to see that movie. And what I like is I feel like my next pick... And we're already running out of time a little bit, so we wanna, we'll, we'll try to make the last two picks here a little shorter. I feel like my pick is very similar to yours. Very, very similar. So my other big area besides comedy for like comfort food, cinematic comfort food, martial arts movies. <laughs> so, um, you know, and I, I wanted to pick something that wasn't quite, you know, I didn't want to pick something super big, hopefully something people haven't seen. And so what I landed on here was a little film that is called Ninja 2... Shadow of a Tear. Wow. Okay, I'm a little surprised that more people have seen Ninja 2 Shadow of a Tear than Semi-Pro, but I'm fine with it. I'm fine with it. So uh, the, the star of this film is a gentleman by the name of Scott Adkins. You may have seen him recently in Doctor Strange getting beaten up by a cape. Uh, that is, that's sort of where he's at in terms of big Hollywood movies. That's what he does guy who gets beaten by a cape, but in the world of direct-to-video action, he's sort of, he's like one of the guys. He's like the Paddington of the direct-to-video oh. action world. Wow, it's a natural transition. Yeah. Beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. So, um, yeah, uh, that's where he does his best work, are these direct-to-video action movies, of which Ninja 2 Shadow of a Tear is one of them. Again, the plot does not matter. It is interesting, I realize in retrospect, now that I think about it, that like when I need cinematic comfort, I don't want plot. No. I don't want a story. Story is garbage. Story is garbage. Uh, make me feel better. Um, but it's a great showcase for Scott Adkins and the director, Isaac Florentine, who he's made a few movies with. And some, not, they're not all great, but um, this one is. So uh, it's a great showcase for athleticism, choreography, and, you know, as I was looking back at just a couple of highlights from this, this week and thinking about this topic, I was trying to think, like, why do I find martial arts movies, which can be very violent, why do I find them comforting? And I think the reason is that I, almost like on a subconscious level until now, I think that there's something about the, the, these kind of fight scenes, that they're very intricate, impo impossible, essentially. But they suggest that there's, like, an order to the universe, right? Because these only work, even though they're supposed to be fighting, like it only really works and they only look beautiful and cool if everyone is like working together. Um, so there's sort of this underlying kind of order and also this idea in a movie like this where there's a guy beating up a bunch of people that like the, the universe can be mastered. Assuming you are, have enough time to devote to like getting really rippling abs and working out a lot and like having someone like stretch your legs apart, which is apparently a big part of most martial arts training, being flexible, I guess. Sure. Yeah. Uh, the, if you do these things, eventually with enough practice, you can almost like master the universe. And 
when you're feeling helpless or, you know, like you'd feel like you don't have that in your life. I feel like there is something very powerful about that. And I think that's why I like movies like this that I'd never thought about before in that way. That there's something kind of comforting about that idea. I don't know. What do you think, audience? Am I talking out of my butt? All right. So I do want to say, before I throw to Allison for her last pick, I want to acknowledge the other side here. So I should warn you that not everyone is a fan of the classic Ninja 2 Shadow of a Tear. In I fact... I couldn't imagine why. There is, a, there is a review on the website Letterboxd that is from a user named Brad Simmons. Is Brad here tonight? Okay. That would have been good. That would have yeah. been amazing. Uh, th- I will read you the review in its entirety of the film Ninja 2 Shadow of a Tear. No, Matt Singer. No. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I say yes, Brad. I say yes, Matt Singer, yes. And I say yes to Ninja to Shadow of a Tear, which is available on Netflix. You know, you've almost talked me into it. But do I need to see Ninja 1? No, you definitely... Not only do you not have to, you don't want to. It's a relief, actually. Go straight to Ninja 2. Makes it easier. Yeah. All right, for my second pick, I thought, you know what I want? I want... Ninja Shadow of a Tear? Close. Okay. I want extravagant French food that I cannot afford and beautiful countryside and the warm embrace of a food documentary. And so I picked a food documentary. It is Step Up to the Plate, which is available for rent, and also on Fandor. And this is basically the French version of Jiro Dreams of Sushi. It is about a three Michelin star restaurant in central South France in this just gorgeous uh, kind of plateau area with rolling hills. And it is about the extremely demanding founder of the restaurant and his poor, quiet son, who is trying to figure out if he can live up to his father's legacy when inheriting the restaurant. But it is also about ridiculous food, including the father, whose name is Michel Bras, famous dish, which is actually a salad you can invent a very famous salad. Uh, This salad, which he makes at the beginning of the film, involves 50 to 60 uh, local ingredients, (laughs) edible flowers, (laughs) vegetables that have been cooked in different ways, uh, potatoes that are fried on one side only, uh, yeah, things that are lightly poached. I've never seen you this happy in my entire life. I just want to say, really? 10 years he said we've been podcasting? Yeah. I've never seen this before. He, he makes it and explains it. It includes things like, oh, this petal that came from the flowers on our balcony. <laughs> it, is, <laughs> it is a ridiculous item of food. It made him world famous. People copy this salad, which really is just like a bunch of local ingredients that you put together in this really beautiful plating, but it has made him world famous. Uh, his son spends the whole, the whole year over which this film takes place trying to come up with what is basically his own signature dish. And he struggles, he comes up with a version of it. They open a restaurant in Japan, he makes like a Japanese version of it that his father critiques really harshly while like smiling at him. And at the end of the movie, he comes up with a kind of final version. And he explains it. And it involves like this really simple dish that his grandmother used to make and one that his mother makes. And you will, 
this may be just me, you will never be so weirdly moved by someone making an elaborate, extravagant dessert. <laughs> it is really beautiful, and I think it, it manages to convey the kind of complicated uh, burden of tradition and culture and your inheritance, which is that it's both a blessing and a curse when you need to move forward. Uh, and all of that in a salad and a dessert. It's quite something. So that is Step Up to the Plate. You can find it on Fandor or you can rent it. All right. Well, we're, we're running out of time, so let's go right to our, our last little bit of fun here that we have. Now, 10 years ago, Netflix launched a competition. I don't know if people remember this. They wanted to find like a better... Pr- Uh, prediction or suggestion algorithm. They would give someone in the world a million bucks if you could recommend a movie better than their computer could. And in 2009, someone did actually win it. Someone won this prize. But I I find personally, Allison, I don't know about you, when I go on Netflix these days, I don't know that it's working all that well still. In fact, I looked last night, and this is, I swear to God, this is true. I went on my Netflix account to see what they would recommend to me, and the picks that they said, top picks for Matt, the DreamWorks animated movie Home, Unsealed Alien Files, and Murder, She Wrote. I don't see a problem. Okay, so they got one out of three. We'll give them one out of three. So again, so even after a million dollar prize contest, there may still be work to be done. Yeah, well, that is what inspired Matt and I, along with a team of some of the most brilliant computer scientists and engineers from around the world, to create the Svuvatron 5000. Yes, this is the most advanced movie recommendation system on the planet. On the planet! Here's how it works. On the podcast, we invited members of tonight's audience uh, to email us some of their favorite movies and a genre they wanted a recommendation in. And then, Allison and I... You mean the Svuvatron 5000? Fine, the Svuvatron 5000... Uh, spat out these recommendations, and we've got a couple minutes left, so uh, get ready, because we, uh, we did this, and hold on, let me get the microphone ready. Uh-oh. I'm fine. Everything is fine. Hold on, let me make sure the Svuvatron is activated. <laughs> it is computing, Allison. Would you, would you like to go first? Sure, I'll go first. Okay. All right. Brandon Bear, you here? Yes. Right in the fr- Hello. Wow. Right in the front row. You wanted to be the first one and be the first to hear it by being the closest to the stage. Okay. All right. Some of the movies you gave me were City of God, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, Holy Motors, Short Term Twelve, Anchorman. And I thought about it, and I thought about the Hold genre on. you wanted. That was nice. You asked for offbeat, dark comedy that plays with genre in the range of the guest. You're next, Heathers. I forgive you for sneaking in some other movies into that part. And I think that you should see Nina Forever. This is available on Shudder, if you have that, the horror streaming service, or it's available for rent. This is a 2015 British horror comedy. It's directed by Brothers. That always seems to be a good sign these days. Uh, It has a serious dark streak. It is about a 19-year-old supermarket checker who develops a thing for her coworker and starts dating him, in part because she's intrigued about the rumor that he attempted suicide after his girlfriend died. 
lot of baggage to bring into a new relationship. And in fact, every time they start getting intimate, his ex-girlfriend or former girlfriend crawls in, nude, broken, bleeding, into the middle of the bed with them and starts giving critical comments about their relationship. (laughs) It is gory and funny and surprisingly heartfelt in terms of a story about grief and about the baggage that you bring into a relationship. So that is my recommendation to you. Okay. All right, let's get to our next. It was from Kenneth Ruhak. Ruhak? Kenneth, are you here? Yay! Okay, Kenneth's favorite movies include The Big Lebowski, Drugstore Cowboy, Raiders of the Lost Ark, Rushmore, and uh, wanted us to recommend a foreign film, so let me just put that in here. Okay, and uh, the foreign film you are looking for, according to the Spoovatron 5000, is the classic foreign martial arts spy classic Gymkata. Wow. I did not expect that. I think there's a glitch in the Spoovatron 5000. It is from the great Eastern European country of Parmistan. No, the, uh, you mentioned a few comedies on your list, including The Big Lebowski and Anchorman was also one of the movies. So I thought I'd give you a foreign comedy, and the one that I came up with was the movie Clown, the 2010 Danish film. Uh, it is available for, fan, uh, uh, for rent or on Fandor. And actually, I just saw today that they're remaking it with Sasha Baron Cohen. So get in on the ground floor before that happens. This is basically like Danish TV's answer to Curb Your Enthusiasm. They made a big screen version. It is very funny. It is very filthy. Don't watch it when you're home for Thanksgiving with your family. Um, I want to get to as many recommendations as I can, so I'm going to kind of cut it off there. But Clown on Fandor or for Rent. All right. Next up, I have Gabe Bush and his wife, Heather. Are you guys here? Hello. All right, you gave me 10 films, uh, among them uh, That Thing You Do, The Fall, Wedding Singer, True Grit, and Inception, and asked for big-budgeted blockbusters uh, that still have an artistic vision and are well done. Think Christopher Nolan, J.J. Abrams. (laughs) The answer that was spat out, Dark City, which Ah. is available for rent, yes. Uh, this would be the 1998 film from Alex Proyas, uh, before he started making things like Gods of Egypt. Uh, you know, this film was championed by the late, great Roger Ebert, and is a film that is a heightened work of genre, in this case, film noir, stars Rufus Sewell, who's great as a, as a man who wakes up with amnesia, thinking he found the, uh, he might have murdered someone, and then it becomes a, like, mind-bending sci-fi movie. Uh, it has visuals that I think Inception kind of owes a debt to. So that is your recommendation. I hope you like it. Okay, next up, Rosalie Messer. Is Rosalie here? Oh, also in the front row, but you guys are great. Okay, your films uh, that you love include Donnie Darko, Notorious, Run the Run, Night of the Hunter, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, and Clueless and House, the Japanese horror one, which is... Excellent. That's the right house to love. Uh, Your genre was either something mind-bending or something older like film noir classic Hollywood. Uh, Okay. Uh, (laughs) Looks like it thinks you want to see the mind-bending classic Gymkata. That is unexpected. Let me tell you something. When you see a gymnast fighting an entire town of people on a pommel horse... 
That is mind-bending. No, uh, I'm going to recommend to you The Bad and the Beautiful, the 1952 Hollywood melodrama directed by Vincent Minnelli. It is available on a couple of sites online. It's a little bit Citizen Kane. It's a little bit A Star is Born. I thought it would make a great double feature with Whiplash because it's kind of about like the sacrifices that artists make or what some artists think they need to do to be great artists. It's a beautiful movie. I just saw a clip of it in... um, uh, Personal Journey with Martin Scorsese, which we talked about on the podcast. It's such a beautiful movie. It won uh, an Oscar for Best Cinematography. Uh, it's kind of noir-ish, but it's not a crime film, but it has that kind of noir look, and it's got Kirk Douglas, who's amazing in it. So there you go. That's my recommendation. The Bad and the Beautiful. Okay. We got to woo. I think we have time for, like, maybe one more each. And if oh, we didn't okay. get to yours, come find us afterwards, yes, and we, we will give it them. to you. Okay. Fern Josephs, are you here? Yay, Fern! Yay! <laughs> All right, you gave me some some of the movies you gave me: Singing in the Rain, Francis Ha, Broadcast News, Tootsie, and I thought about it, and then I asked the Suvatron Five Thousand, <laughs> and then I thought, what about In Good Company, which is available for rents? Written and directed by Paul Weitz, who did uh, Grandma recently with Lily Tomlin. It is. Yes, uh, <laughs> like broadcast news and like Tootsie in a way, it is like a workplace film. Uh, but it is also, it has this kind of throwback feel to it. Dennis Quaid as the head of, a, head of the sales department at a sports magazine who then ends up humiliatingly being uh, made to report to Topher Grace. It's tough for all of us anyway, but also when he's a 26-year-old uh, who keeps talking about synergy. But this, this is also, as, as much as I think that the corporate satire is uh, not the sharpest, it's a really nice movie about friendship and an unexpected friendship that develops between two people. So that is my recommendation in good company. All right. Uh, last but not least, uh, Leland Farmer. Is Leland here? There's like four people named Leland Farm here. Awesome. Okay. So, uh, all four of you requested, or your favorite movies were Memento, Eternal Sunshine, Spirit Away, Mulholland Drive, Dark Knight, Fight Club, L.A. Confidential. Excellent choices. And you wanted a twisty, heady, psychological movie. And so the twisty, heady, psychological movie is... Jim Cotta from 1985. I don't, I don't know. Uh, we're going to have to send this, I think, back for, like, beta testing or yeah, something. Was, but in the it's meantime... It's a good first try. It was, yeah, it's, it's right. It's, it, this is the testing phase. But no, I, I'm going to recommend to you The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari, the 1920 silent film directed by Robert Vine. It is available on Netflix. It is twisty. It is heady. It is very psychological. It was an influence on Hitchcock. It's, like, one of the very first German expressionist films. It is beautiful and weird and creepy and awesome. And I think it is... If you haven't seen it, it is, it's like exactly the movie you wanted to watch. So I hope you watch it. I hope you enjoy it. The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari on Netflix. And unfortunately, Allison, we're out of time. It's been great being here, guys, really. It has been, uh, it's, oh, that sounded sarcastic, though, that last one. <laughs> like you're just waiting for Film Spotting Original Recipe to come up here. And I can relate to yeah, that. Yeah, I but can't blame you. Wait till we leave to do that. Uh, no, seriously, this has been fantastic. Uh, it's a lot of fun to come to Chicago, see you guys. We really appreciate you coming out, paying to see us. It's a big uh, deal. Yeah. If we didn't get to, by the way, your recommendations, yes, we have please them. come find us. Yeah, we have after them. the show, come yes. find us. We will give them to you personally. Uh, and uh, stick around, because film spotting, 
Original recipe is coming up next. With a special guest. With a special guest. And uh, if you are listening at home to Film Spotting SVU, stay tuned because there's more Film Spotting SVU still to come. Thank you very much, guys. Have a Thank great night. Thank you. Shubas in Chicago. This is Film Spotting SVU. We are actually recording this still before the show, but I'm going to assume it went really well. How could it not? Absolutely. Definitely nothing caught on fire. No fights broke out. <laughs> no one fell asleep. Oh, that's one we really should worry that's about. That's one I sincerely worry about. As long as we stay awake, though, yeah. I think we're okay. You know, I've been in panels on stage where you watch someone fall You've asleep. you watched people fall and asleep. And I have been the person falling asleep in events before, so it cuts both ways. <laughs> <laughs> well, before we get out of here, though, we ran out of time on stage, but we want to make sure we give you our usual ending segment, Behind the 8-Ball. Of course, this is some recommendations. Three new releases on streaming, two listener recommendations you guys sent us, and one film chosen blindly by number from our My Lists. Allison, you want to go first? I do want to go first. All right. Hit us up with three new releases. Okay, first up is a movie called Divines. It is new to Netflix. It was actually a Netflix acquisition. I missed it at Toronto and at Cannes. I missed it multiple times, so I'm glad to finally catch up with it. A French film uh, directed by Uda Benyamina that uh, all kinds of people fell in love with, especially at Toronto, got a lot of comparisons to Girlhood, another film that is about the Banulos of a... Another film that is about the Banulos of of France and the kind of uh, different communities there that don't normally get put on on screen. And it is a coming-of-age slash crime movie. It looks pretty exuberant and great. So that is Divines. It is on Netflix. On Filmstruck, the new Filmstruck, uh, is a poem is a naked person. This is a doc about the musician and songwriter and all-around charismatic person, Leon Russell, who recently passed away. And it's made by Les Blank, a great documentarian. It was shot in the early 70s, but only debuted last year due to clearance issues. It is shaggy and messy and filled with anarchy and joy and has some great performances with Russell in which he just is so larger than life, uh, whether he's on stage or found in his recording studio in Oklahoma. So it is definitely worth a look. That is, a poem is a naked person. It is on Filmstruck. And finally, on Hulu and on Amazon Prime is Creed, your listener's choice pick, which we will get to, I promise. Uh, just not this time. We, on our next episode. On our next episode. We, uh, you know, we're on the road. We couldn't, we couldn't get it together this time. But we uh, have a lot of thoughts about Ryan Coogler's Rocky franchise spinoff, and you will hear them on the next episode. In the meantime, it is on Hulu and Amazon Prime. All right. How about two listener recommendations? Okay. First up, we got an email from Leland from San Diego, who is going to be in Chicago and going to be at the show. 
while I'm writing, I feel like I might as well suggest another movie I recently watched, he writes, called They Look Like People, directed by Perry Blackshear. It's a low-budget indie movie, which is certainly not perfect, but makes the most of what it has. The movie never quite makes clear the connection between the main characters, and I think it's better off for it. It builds tension and atmosphere incredibly well, and had me crawling in my seat the whole time. Definitely worth a watch, and it can be found streaming on Netflix, and also available for rent on all the usual platforms. It's a good title. Yeah. Uh, Then we also have a recommendation from Jake Meltzer in Brooklyn. I just watched Sing Street for the first time. It's now streaming on Netflix. And I felt compelled to write to you to share my enthusiasm for this film. Like many people in this country, this week has been very difficult for me, you and me both, in the wake of the outcome of the presidential election. I was already a very very cynical person about how the world worked, but for me, I was always able to escape into movies and television to get away from all the bad things happening in the world. However, with the events of this past week, I have grown uncertain that I would be able to separate my pop culture consumption from real-world events. There's all a long preamble to say that watching Sing Street was the first time in the past few days that I was truly able to divorce myself from Trump's America and lose myself in an absolutely delightful, if familiar story with great laughs, catchy music, an engaging romance, and two absolutely stellar performances from the actors playing the two brothers, Ferdia Walsh-Palo and Jack Raynor. I would be shocked if the Back to the Future homage performance of Drive It Like I, St- <laughs> Drive it like I Stole It is not on your list of top five scenes of the year because it is almost certainly going to be on mine. It is the perfect film to cure post-election blues, and now that it's available to stream, I feel like it's a film everyone needs to watch, regardless of how you felt about the election. Best of luck with the live show, and I hope you guys put it up soon. We will, promise. All right, uh, Allison, drive it like you stole it and give me one, cho- one film chosen blindly by number from your my list. You gave me number five. It is a film that I've actually already seen, so I took it off after this. It is called I Am the Pretty Thing That Lives in the House. Ah. It's a horror movie written and directed by Osgood Perkins. Do you know who his father is? I don't. Anthony Perkins. Whoa! Yes. He actually, I think, dedicates the movie to him. Uh, Osgood Perkins made his debut last year with a... a movie called The Black Coat's Daughter, starring Emma Roberts, that's currently stuck in some kind of release limbo. Mm. But a lot of people were won over by it at the festival circuit. Until then, we have this movie starring Ruth Wilson as a live-in nurse in a house that may or may not be haunted. It is sure to enrage anyone who is not a fan of the slow burn. But it is an incredibly beautifully made horror movie that finds a lot of dread in just dark doorways and the space in a frame. And is also kind of an homage to Shirley Jackson. So I give it a thumb up. Two thumbs up. I have two. I am the pretty thing that lives in the house. Matt, are you ready? I am. And I'm hoping that people aren't hearing all the background noise too much. It's, you know, local color is what it this is. This is, yeah, it's live, yeah, baby. It, we it are is. live. We're doing it live. Yeah, if you hear a humming, it's an empty Red Bull fridge. Is that what's us. doing it? Yes, I all think right. so. Anyway, give me three new releases. All right, first up, new on Netflix is Burn After Reading, the Coen Brothers' hilarious tale of incompetence, confusion, and stupidity in the American intelligence community, starring, among others, Brad Pitt, George Clooney, Francis McDormand, and John Malkovich. This is one I've been meaning to rewatch for a while, so this seems like a perfect time to do it for a variety of reasons. It's Burn After Reading on Netflix. 
Next up also on Netflix is Spike Lee's He Got Game with Denzel Washington giving one of my favorite performances of his career as a guy who is released from prison for a week in order to persuade his son, who's a basketball prodigy played by NBA star Ray Allen, to agree to go to the governor of his state's alma mater. Uh, The movie tends to get left off of lists of the kind of elite Spike Lee movies, maybe because it's not quite as heavy or weighty as something like Do the Right Thing or Malcolm X, but that might make He Got Game Spike Lee's most underrated movie. I really like this one, and Denzel Washington is awesome, and Ray Allen is surprisingly good in it, too. That is He Got Game, also on Netflix. And finally, if you're looking for a doc and a bit of a longer movie, I really like the three-hour-long History of the Eagles, the band The Eagles, which is also now on Netflix. And I think this is probably technically an authorized documentary, but it may be the least flattering authorized documentary of all time. The band themselves are very involved. Everyone is talking heads in the movie. And while it does celebrate their great music and they were all geniuses and blah, 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 uh, a fair portion of the movie is just them all complaining about each other, how hard they were all to work with, and this person did this and this person wanted more money. It's fantastic. It's just great. It's wonderful. It's catty and terrific. Uh, I was going to say, because it's three hours long, you kind of have to be a fan to enjoy it. But because they're so mean about each other, if you don't like the Eagles, you might actually like it quite a bit. So that's the history of the Eagles, and that is now on Netflix. Okay, give me two listener recommendations. Our first here is from Thomas. He says, I recently watched the documentary The Russian Woodpecker streaming on Amazon Prime. The Russian woodpecker refers to a radio signal that plagued the world's airwaves in the 1970s and sounded like a repetitive tapping. The source was a giant radar facility known as a Duga, meant as a missile detection system. The Duga was located near Chernobyl and predictably was decommissioned after the nuclear disaster. The documentary follows an artist who was affected by Chernobyl radiation as a young boy as he investigates a conspiracy theory connecting the disaster to the Duga radar system. Uh, it may have actually been convenient for some high-ranking Soviets that the Duga was decommissioned by the Chernobyl disaster, and that means Chernobyl may not have been an accident after all. It's a cool documentary that combines a personal quest for reconciliation with Cold War conspiracy thrills and offers a chilling peek at how the ghosts of the Soviet Union still haunt the region today. So that is The Russian Woodpecker, streaming on Amazon Prime, and that was a recommendation from Thomas. Thank you, Thomas. We've also got a recommendation here from Jason Alba in Chicago, from right here in Chicago. Jason writes, for me, the best day during election week was Veterans Day, and the reason is because the legendary veterans of hip-hop released their final album on that very day. So in the spirit of their musical opus, I would like to recommend the documentary Beats, Rhymes, Life, uh, Beats, Rhymes, and Life, The Travels of a Tribe Called Quest. Not unlike the Oasis, Oasis music doc that was referenced in the last SVU episode, Q-Tip and Fife Dog have brotherly squabbles that need some reckoning with, and Ali Muhammad and Jerobi White get caught in the middle. Even if you're not a fan of hip-hop music, there are some relatable issues, such as a leader with a vision for a group and the turmoil that occurs as a result of attempting to stick to that vision. So that is Beats, Rhymes, and Life, The Travels of a Tribe Called Quest. Thank you, Jason. And how about something from your my list? You gave me number four, and right now my number four on my my list is Stephen King's Thinner. 
Stephen King's thinner, thinner. Unexpected. Yes. When an obese attorney accidentally runs over a gypsy woman, the victim's father puts a curse on him that causes him to drop 40 pounds a week. I've never seen this movie or maybe saw it once as a kid. Um, uh, someone I follow on Twitter, I'm trying to remember who now, mentioned that it was on Netflix, just added, and was like, you have to watch this so you can start quoting it like I always have. And I'm blanking on who that was, but I was like, quotable Stephen King weirdo horror movie. Keep talking. I'm listening. So I added it. I don't think I'm going to get to it too soon because of all the year-end stuff. But once that's all done, I'm going to watch it. I do remember, like, in the, all the trailers, like, the, the, I guess it was probably a gypsy, right? Going like, I curse you, Thina. It sounds familiar. I remember that. It I sounds, still It sounds tasteful and not yes. all offensive no, to the Romani I'm people. sure it's dated <laughs> very well. I'm sure it holds up great, and I have no concerns about it whatsoever. Yes. So... Uh, That's Stephen King's Thinner on Netflix. Allison, we don't have a listener's choice to discuss because we have the winner already from our last episode. It is. Remind people one more time. It is Creed, and it is available on Amazon Prime and on Hulu. All right. So I hope everyone enjoyed this very special live episode of Film Spotting SVU. Let's get out of here with just the usual spiel. Of course, filmspottingsvu.com is where you can find our show archive. You can also find a list of direct links to all the movies we discuss on the show. The Film Spotting SVU remix theme song is by Vince Vandal. Listen to more of Vince's work at vincevandal.bandcamp.com. We will be back in two weeks with more recommendations and your long-awaited review of Creed. But in the meantime, follow us on Twitter at Allison Wilmore and at Matt Singer, and follow the show at FilmSpottingSVU. That's where we always announce the winner of each show's listener's choice and where we share lots more streaming suggestions from SVU listeners. And to everyone who came out to the show, thank you so much. Seriously, thank you so much. We had a, <laughs> We're yeah, really grateful. We are so happy to be here. It's been a lot of fun, and it's been a great time at the festival. And, uh, yeah, hope we get to do it again sometime. For Film Spotting SVU, I'm Matt Singer. And I'm Allison Wilmore. Thanks for listening. <laughs>